Everybody and welcome into the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Mac is still here with Danny Small and Chip Murphy. Uh, a few topics here on the show today. Of course, the headline, what we're going to talk about for a good bit of the show, uh, Julius Randle <clears throat> is an all-star. So we'll share our thoughts on that. And as well, we'll talk about the second half schedule that was released um, not that long ago. Um, Danny, you were the one that told me about it. I didn't even know he was out yet. So Yeah, there was only – it was like a few hours. We're recording this at about 7 o'clock on uh, Wednesday. It came out middle of the afternoon, maybe 3 o'clock um, today. So it's fresh news. Yeah, so we got to – we'll talk – you know, break down the second half. And then uh, there is a very difficult road stretch that I think we'll kind of talk about uh, in May, uh, kind of to end and wrap up the season. So we'll get into that here in just a second. But as I mentioned before, um, the New York Knicks have an all-star this year, and it's Julius Randle uh, making his first all-star selection. Uh, And I'm going to toss it over to you guys because I've I've been thinking about this a lot for things that I've seen, you know, over the last, like, several months so far of this season, uh, of, you know, fans' reaction with Randle and things like that. But at the end of the day, it it is – uh, well-deserved, but I'll start with you, Danny, and your thoughts behind uh, Julius Randle making the all-star team. Yeah, I think, you know, just his how the turnaround from last year to this year, because we all, we've talked about this at length on the show, but, um, you know, Knicks fans talking about trading him, you know, we even on the show had, you know, brought up, you know, could they, should they deal him, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to, they're not going to keep him long-term, uh, like all this stuff. So much was said about Julius Randle in the, you know, nine or so months, whatever it was from the Knicks last game to the Knicks first game this year. And he's completely flipped the script. He's become one of the most beloved Knicks in the last decade in, you know, such a short span of time. Um, And he obviously, we've said it time and time again, but he deserved the all-star selection. He's been fantastic this year. It was really cool how the Knicks uh, kind of brought back their fans uh, on the same day that Randall was announced an all-star. He got to address the crowd. His mom had a, a video on the Jumbotron. Kenny Payne got to talk to him. Who Kenny Payne's been a mentor for Julius since AAU days in high school, you know, since mm-hmm. he was a kid. So Kenny Payne got to really talk about, you know, what that moment was like for him. And, you know, Julius himself talked about it after the game, just the whole day. And I know they lost. Like, I get it. Like, that was a tough loss. Steph Curry's still Steph Curry. But the whole day yesterday on uh, on Tuesday, whatever the game was, um, it was a really cool moment for Randall. And it's, it's really, really always a, a just, I don't know. I, I can't like really put the words together, but like, it's always fun to see a guy like that who you've watched his whole career. You've seen him since he was a freshman at Kentucky. You've seen him kind of go through the lumps of the ups and downs of the NBA. And then he finally like kind of, I don't want to say like reaches the mountaintop because there's obviously other things he can do. There's all NBA, there's playoff success. There's all the stuff that he can do. Uh, but to see him kind of reach one of his goals that he's set and all the things he's overcome in the NBA, it's really cool. Um, you know, as a reporter, fan, you know, whatever you are, uh, I'm just really happy for for a guy like Julius, who's a really, really good guy um, and definitely deserves yeah. everything he's getting. 
Yeah, when a guy puts in that kind of work and makes his first all-star team at age 26, uh, it's just how can you not be excited for that? In season, I think it's his seventh year in the league. I know it's his second with the Knicks. It's just it's great to see. And like Danny said, he came to the league when he was a kid, broke his leg his first game yeah. in his career. So had such a tough road in the NBA. And, you know, his obviously his first year, Danny just outlined it with the Knicks was brutal for so many different reasons. And I mean, he's just been his uh, development and his evolution this year has been incredible to watch. And he's in the Jonathan Macri laid it out more eloquently than we ever could is he's in the top tier of pretty much every statistical category you could imagine. Yeah. No matter what metric you like, Randall is up there. So, I mean, I don't know how you could argue that he isn't an all-star this year, just based on these small sample size of games, the 30 something that he's played so far this year. Uh, you know, as we're recording this 23.3 points, 10.9 rebounds, five and a half assists, 47% from the field, 41 from three, and also 80% from the line. So I, just those are those are all-star numbers those are elite numbers and he deserves to be in there and also the team is in the playoffs yeah so uh, and if you I think if the Knicks were Knicks were losing and they were you know not even sniffing the playoffs yeah people might hold that against Randall and you know you see even somebody like Trey Young who put up like ridiculous stats he didn't make it because the Hawks are just not very good um which I don't I don't want to derail the conversation too much but we can talk about snubs later um and kind of and kind of break that down a little bit, but um, but yeah, no, ex- exactly what you're saying, Chip. You know, Randall deserves it. He's been working a long time for this. He's gone through a lot of ups and downs. It's just cool to see, you know, cool to see the turnaround happen so fast with Thibodeau here, and you know, all these guys kind of like really coming into their own. He deserves it. Yeah, he mm-hmm. absolutely 100% deserves it. You know, and and I think that that's been the most impressive part. Uh, is watching the you know, results of how hard he worked in this long offseason, right? Like it was, it's evidence that he didn't just sit back and, you know, take some time off. Like he was putting in work. And, you know, it, it's funny. This is kind of what I was alluding to before is over the last several months, you know, you get so many people going like, oh, I apologize to Julius Randle for criticizing him last year mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I, I I, don't feel that way, right? Like I felt like a lot of the criticism that he got last year, quite frankly, he deserved it. You know, there was some unfair criticism that comes his way. There always is somebody that takes a take and takes it too far to the next level. But, yeah. Right. You know, and, and they're just so out there and so out in left field that whatever they say doesn't make any damn sense at all. But, you know, I know from my perspective, the criticism that I gave him last year was fair. It was valid. He went to a spin move every time turned over the ball almost every time when the game was tight and we needed a closer, the ball was in, in his hand. We knew what was going to happen. It was going to be a turnover, the you know, free throw against the Pacers exactly. uh, in that I mean, one game. It, it is not, I got, I, I'm not apologizing for criticizing him last year, but what I do got to apologize is remember at the beginning of this year, I was thinking like, yeah, we'll probably end up having to trade this guy. Right. Like I was, I, I was talking about like, I, 
does he really need to start? You know, talking I, about that at the beginning of the year. I think just uh, to just to piggyback, sorry to cut you off, but piggyback yeah, on your point a little bit. I think Randall probably would have agreed with most. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, like you said, people take it too far. Social mm-hmm. media, there's all that BS. Yeah. I think Randall would have been one of his biggest critics from last year. I don't think well, he was. Happy with, yeah, I don't think he was happy definitely with the way was. he played. Um, so you know, I think he's definitely uh, he definitely understands that you know what what Knicks fans were yelling about last year was not that they hated him, not that they wanted right. him to fail. It was just we're frustrated with you know, some of the yeah, mistakes fans get frustrated, and, and he was frustrated clearly right. too. Now he's you know beloved by everyone, um, and also. Uh, no, I lost my train of thought, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, and that's the point that I'm making. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm bringing this up is that he deserves all the credit in the world because a lot of players, especially in this market and this kind of atmosphere, fold and they just quit because they're getting criticized and they can't handle the pressure. And or that wasn't Julius Randle at all. Yeah. Shots fired. Shots <laughs> fired. Bang, bang. You know, th- this, this guy as you guys said, probably his hardest critic was himself disappointing with himself. So what he did about it was put in work and came out this season. And from the moment this season tipped off, you can completely see a different Julia, Julius Randall. There's one time this year down the stretch that I seen the old Julius from last year out of all these games. And guess what? That's going to happen. You're not always going to be perfect. You're going to make a mistake in crunch time. Every player has done it, and I'm, it didn't bother me. It was just like, ah, that was the Julius Randle. But the best part was he hasn't repeated it since. There's one game that I could think of this year where he made a mistake in crunch sign, losing the ball, and turning it over in a crucial moment of the game. That's it. You know, it, 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 he has completely evolved. Like last year, we kept saying the guy shouldn't bring the ball up. The ball shouldn't be in his hands. You know, he's leading fast breaks, and he's making the right play. <laughs> It's just like the game, it's it's all coming together for him. And it could have been a lot of things of being the high contract guy on the team. You know, you're new to a team. You're new to a city that's going to bash you if, if, if you're not playing well. And sometimes it takes guys a little bit uh, to get accustomed to that and kind of settled in. But I can't speak enough about how impressive it is that this guy did not just fold and just went with the criticism and worked on those things and you could just tell this guy put in so much work this offseason. This is one of the most deserving all-star bids that he got. If, if he wasn't an all-star, it, it would have been, I, I know for me, it would have, I would have been in an uproar. I wouldn't understand it. I mean, this guy is putting up, I told you guys this before, you know, there's times I'm reading Julius Randle's stat line to, you know, some people I know down here and they can't, they won't name him. They'll tell me that's not right. I'm like, no, that's that's Julius Randle. That's the work that he's put into this season. Like, the thing that's impressing me the most about him this season is just his decision making. It is so much better. It's so much decisive. That, you know, like when a double team comes, he's aware of it. He knows where it's coming from, and he knows where the open man is. His shot selection is so much better. He's not forcing really anything. He's getting to his kill spot and being able to get to kind of his, his hot zone and get to that spot and get a shot off. And then when it's not there, he's more patient. We'll see him, you know, pass the ball out and get himself repositioned to try to get a shot. He's just doing 
so many of these things that we just did not see last year. And it is a totally different guy. And it is really, really uh, impressive to see and deserves all the credit in the world. And I, I can't think of anybody else that deserves to make this all-star team more than him. And, and you're right, Danny, when you're talking about that moment yesterday where you can see, you know, his reaction when, when he hurt his mom on mm -hmm. the uh, big jumbotron, like he just immediately looked up with the biggest smile on his face. Like this is a big deal for him. He cares, man. And, and uh, I think it was really cool that this came on the night that fans were back yeah. in the garden, you know, that was very cool. the MVP <laughs> chance to start the game. And um, I just think it was very fitting that in the end he got thrown out, but you know, you uh, end you know the I, I don't blame him. I would have probably been tossed out of that game as well with what some, some of that uh, calls and it went both ways. This wasn't like one of those things where I feel like we got completely hosed. There were some bad calls, bad missed calls on the other side as well. But um, you know, it, it was just funny. But he played a heck of a game, and I thought it was really cool. The fans were there, and, and we can show him how much we appreciate the work that he, he's put in because uh, it, it's really impressive. And that's – I kind of talked about what I've been impressed with, you know, seeing the transition from this year, and I'm kind of curious. what What is the biggest thing that you guys notice about his play this season? Is it a lot of the stuff that I said? Is there anything else that you can add on for some of the things that you've seen? Uh, and, Chip, I'll start with you here. Uh, anything else that you can kind of say, this is, this is a big difference from last year or even, you know, his several years in the league up to this point. Uh, what, what specifically have you seen him improve on that's taken his play to another level? Well, I mean, you already mentioned the decision-making, so I'll say the shooting. It's got to be the shooting for me. That's taken his game to another level. Uh, I mean, he, he shot 27.7% on three-pointers last year. And his three-point attempts have gone up from 3.6 last year to 4.5 this year. And his three-point percentage has gone way up to 41.4%. And, you know, he made uh, 64 three-pointers last year out of 231 attempts. And he's already made 60 this year out of 145 attempts. So he's going to eclipse that... Uh, 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 total made from last year, maybe by the time this podcast comes out. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's crazy that he's been this good and you know, his corner threes too. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his clean in the glasses last year, his, uh, he made 15 corner threes out of 40, uh, 38%. And this year he's made 17 out of 37 already 46%, which puts him in the 81st percentile for bigs. I, I mean, his shooting has just been so good and he's, you know, he's 46 percentile on mid range, which I guess isn't spectacular. But when you take into account that he takes such an incredible amount of mid range shots, he's in the 93rd percentile of mid range attempts. It's actually pretty good. You know, I, I just think his he's you got to look at his, like you said, his playmaking, he's, you know, he leads the team in assists. So obviously that's huge. And his right. rebounding has been great. And it kind of needs to be because Mitch's rebounding is probably something that he's always going to struggle with, but God, his shooting has just been a revelation, man. He's mm -hmm. just been so fucking good. And <laughs> I, I don't think anyone could have seen that coming after last year. He obviously mm -hmm. put an insane amount of work into his shot. And it's something that other players should just look at when, when you see other players say like, Oh, I, I can't be a shooter. They should look at Julius Randall because there's no way that 
any talented player should be should be able to say that after doing what Julius Randle just did. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't I mean I think I'll just kind of jump off what you guys are saying cuz obviously Matt the playmaking is a huge thing. Yep. He's not turning the ball over, he's being much smarter in big situations. That's a big thing. And then what Chip's saying with the three-point shooting, I mean that opens his offensive game so much because when guys start having to respect him behind the arc, I mean, he's so good at driving and he's always been a very good scorer. Now he's becoming like a great scorer because he's adding a whole new element to his game. But I think for me, the thing that's most impressive about Randall is that every single facet of his game has improved. There's not, you can't look at a single thing and say it's either stagnated or gotten worse because even the defense, which Randall has never been like a phenomenal defender or anything, even the defense has been good because he's just playing within the system. He's playing within himself. He's, he's talking, he's communicating, you know, he's, he's just been very good on the defensive end and not like he's going to be an all NBA or all defense player or anything like that. Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, overselling him as a defender, but he's improved as as a defender, scoring better, shooting better, assists are up, rebounding every, he's gotten better in every single facet of the game, free throws. It's like you rarely see guys come back and really improve on every single piece of their game all the time you see oh this guy you know all of a sudden his his shooting got much better or all of a sudden he become a much much better rebounder or defender you see like one thing improve in guys all the time but rarely do you see a guy take his entire game to the next level how many guys can you say this about like if they were just a, a league average defender how much better they would be i remember saying that about tim hardaway junior a million times on this podcast and he never improved defensively. Not that t- the potential that Julius Randle has shown like yeah. this, but just saying that about a guy and they they never get there to that level. And Randle was awful last year and he clearly worked on his defense too. So to see a guy actually make that type of improvement on defense and not just make that type of individual improvement to be able to guard guys straight up, yeah. but to be such a good team defender and a leader on the defensive end. It's just so impressive the way he's played. And I know it's a small sample size and there's still people out there who want to trade him and not, and not extend him. But man, I feel like he's shown enough that if he was like, yeah, I'll max out right now. I'd fucking max him out. I really would. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a that's an interesting uh, you know, topic that we'll be getting into uh, now because Chip, I mean, me and you at the beginning of this year were like, I'd rather see the young guys play. You know, like we want to see the guys that actually we feel are going to be future parts. But I mean, he's been playing so damn well. You believe, like, okay, that this is not. And there's always that fear you know, like a contract year that somebody always has to play out of their mind, but I don't think that's the case with him. I, I really do feel like something's clicked, right? Like he, he knows, you know, what he, his strengths are out there, right? He's just more comfortable out there. It just looks more natural. It looks like the game's coming, you know, to him more. And I mean, I think he is a guy that can be the, the centerpiece for the next several years and kind of build around. I think he's showing that. I know it's like you said, the small sample size one season, but if a guy has showed that much improvement that fast, still young, I, I still don't think he's in the prime of his career. You know, I think it's, it's very encouraging and that that's going to be an interesting topic coming up because I, I'm that beginning of this year, I would be all like, yeah, what can we get for him? And, 
you know, when he's playing well, you think, oh, he probably can get a big, you know, package, but I would keep him and, and stay put at this point completely a 180 from where I was the kind of start uh, this season. So, you know, it's just been a lot of fun watching him play, watching this team play. And, and you could see how much his teammates love him with, you know, before the all-star voting uh, came out, it, every post-game press conference, they were crashing it, you know, screaming, he's an all-star, you know, they wanted them there. Uh, it's a tight group and it, it's nice to see. And, and he's one of the leaders. He's the center part of, you know, th- th- this tight group. And it, it just, just, I can't, I really can't think of anybody that deserves this all-star bid more than him and the work that he put in. It's, it's, it's outstanding. So I can't wait to watch him uh, play in his first all-star game. And, um, you know, just to have a Nick in the all-star game is pretty exciting as well. It's been, it's been a while for us. So um, it, it's, it's good to see again. Now, so as we kind of go ahead, I'm going to, before, before you move on to the schedule, cause um, we kind of mentioned snubs for a second there. just wanted to get your guys thoughts. If you think okay. there are any snubs out there, cause I think that's, that's always a, uh, a hot topic after, uh, after, the all-star rosters come out and obviously if people are talking about snubs randall's probably one of the guys that right obviously no one in in nick's twitter nick's universe is saying that but um you know people in atlanta maybe are saying trey trey young should have made it in over uh over randall you know and it's not that trey young's not a great player it's not that trey young is not going to be a more all-star teams it's just when you look at it it's about the the year and it's not that trey young's not having a good year but if you look at the impact that julius randall's having i mean again he deserves this like and i know somebody outside our fan base uh would you know wanting somebody from one of their fan base uh to to be in I get all that, but it, it, Julius Randle deserves this hands down. I know another snub. I know on the Western Conference side, a lot of people are talking about like Devin Booker. I can't believe that he's not a part of it. I know LeBron tweeted out that he's probably one of the most, you know, underrated player, uh, you know, in the Western Conference. And I, I, everybody knows we talked about Devin Booker here. I love Devin Booker, but – you know, I if I have to Chip, say something, Chip is ready to say something. <laughs> oh, yeah, Chip. You, I, I, if if you have to say something, the reason why he's not, I think his like assist numbers and and rebound numbers, like he, he's he's mainly a scorer out there. But I mean, I'm not saying that he's not great. I think he's a great player. But at the end of the day, with the snubs for this, I think they got it right. But Chip, I know you're dying. Go ahead. Chip's, you're muted for some reason. We can't hear you. Oh, that was so fucking annoying to me. Sorry that LeBron <laughs> did that. And, and, and all these other media people are like, Oh, Devin Booker's snub. Devin Booker's so good. All these national media people. And I'm like, okay, who are you taking off? Yeah. Who are you taking off? That's, that's the toughest thing about this. Like there are guys out there who I think deserve to be all-stars this year, but that's right. Who are you taking off? I don't think there's anyone in the East that you can take off and the West I don't think there's anyone out there. Like, obviously, Davis isn't going to play, so that opens up a spot, which Booker is obviously going to get because – Yeah, Booker was, already got it. They announced it. Oh, they, they – okay. okay, yeah. I mean, but you knew as soon as that, that you know, the rosters came out and Shams, like one of the first things he tweeted was that, you know, there's going to be an open spot. 
Devin Booker seems to be, you know, Devin Booker and DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, that's, that's like the who, league told them to tweet that. Yeah. And also then once LeBron, the team captain, uh, mm-hmm. you know, tweeted it out, it was, it was inevitable, mm-hmm. but also, I mean, like, I, I don't know who you take off because in the East, like Levine, Randall, Vucevic, those guys all deserve it. But then there's also like, yo, Chris Middleton is having a phenomenal year. I mean, yes, he's averaging he 20 points, 5.7 assists, and he's basically at 50, 40, 90. If you round up, he like, he's 50, 40, 90. So if you round up to the, to the nearest, he's 50, 40, 90, which like, a guy averaging 20, 50, 40, 90, six rebounds, five assists. Like, how is he not an all-star? Right. But that's, I think they have to, I think they have to expand each roster by two. I know people have been against this in the past because it's like, you want to keep it the same, but there are more teams. There are more guys in the league now. There's the talent pool is obviously just at a, at a really good place. And then also the like the stats these guys put up because of the pace that they play at, it's just so hard to keep some of these guys off the teams. It just does. To me, it makes sense. You have 17 guys on a roster for each team and 30 teams. It makes sense to have 14 guys on an on an NBA All Star roster. You can't have it both ways to complain about guys getting not on every year and then to and then, say, oh, yeah. it should be 12. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. very major exactly. league baseball-y to yeah. do to do that. Like right. it's to keep it the same way. And I, I agree. I saw a lot of, uh, a lot of Nikola Vucevic, uh, slander yesterday after he got it, after he got it over Sabonis and Bam and Butler and, yeah, and other guys too. But he's I guess right. young. Middleton. There's like, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. The East this year was way tougher than the West. The East yeah. was loaded with talent this year because you got the Nets, you got three guys on the Nets. Um, you know, you got, you got Giannis, obviously like there's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of top tier talent in the, in the East. I mean, like even all-stars from, there are some all-stars from last year who weren't even in the conversation. Right. So it's, I, I, it's same thing for every all-star game. There's always going to be somebody that's left off. That's good. I think it's just the way it is. And that's just part of it. And there's sometimes there's like, how did this guy not get that? I don't. I don't think that's really the case this year for me. We didn't even mention Mike Conley too. Mike Conley thought he was going to finally get it. He should have gotten like the Leonardo DiCaprio, like Mm. when he got the Oscar, like kind of, they were just like, all right, you, you deserve this. Finally get it. Yeah. Yeah, When Scorsese got it. Yeah. uh, Departed. Yeah. It's like, all right. You know, we, we, we probably missed gangs of New York, whatever it was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Same thing with DiCaprio with the Revenant. So it's like uh, I feel I I thought Conley maybe would have gotten it, but I mean, and also, not obviously. I don't want this to happen because no one wants to see injuries. But you never know. I mean, a guy you know tweaks his ankle like the last game before the All Star. Right. There might be another open spot for you know one of these guys coming up. You never know. Well, they could take LeBron off since he didn't want to play in the first place. Durant hasn't played in a while, so maybe they take him off. Even though he's going to play, he's the captain. Yeah, That's, right. He's, he's going to be there. Yeah. So, as we though transition over to the second half of the schedule for the Knicks here, and kind of share your thoughts. You guys had a chance to kind of look at it, um, and, and kind of evaluate of of what the second half will 
look like. I know right after the All-Star break, it's a, it's a tough matchup in Milwaukee on March 11, uh, then followed by OKC. And, you know, as we look at the schedule, what are your overall thoughts heading into the second half of the season? Danny, I'll start with you on this. Uh, you know, when you look at it, I think we're all kind of, and you're, you were the one that pointed out, Danny, the end of May or the end of the season in May uh, seems to be uh, the important kind of stretch because we'll be fighting for a playoff spot and those are six tough games out West. So um, I'm sure we'll all kind of talk about that, but overall looking at it, um, you, you look as you kind of navigate it through, what are, what are your overall thoughts on this? Is it a brutal second half of the schedule? Or you think just typically what it is? What are your thoughts on it? I would say it is what it is generally because I think most writers who are like most writers, podcasters, you know, whoever people covering the NBA, they see their team that they focus on. They see their schedule and they go, Oh my God, this is so hard. This is so crazy. You know, 38 games in 65 day or whatever it is. But I think every team is, is going to be going through a brutal stretch in the second half. Cause it's just going to be a lot of basketball. But the thing I think Knicks fans and, and the Knicks are going to just have to be, you know, ready for is that stretch in May. I mean, I'll just read off your, at Houston, at Memphis, at Denver, at Phoenix, at Clippers, at Lakers, and then you come back home, but you got San Antonio, Charlotte, Boston. So with the exception of probably Houston and maybe Memphis, all those teams are going to be possible playoff teams. It's going to be it's going to be a rough stretch there to finish out the season. And if the Knicks are clearly going for a playoff spot, at the very least, the playoff play-in game that's going to be kind of like make or break time for them, which, Hey, I don't think you could ask for anything better if they come into that stretch and they're playing mean, meaningful games. Uh, I think coming into the year, if you had told Knicks fans, Hey, you're going to be playing in real big, you know, primetime meaningful games in May. I think every Knicks fan would have signed up for it. Yeah. No, nice. I, I agree. I love the, I love that they may be, I was actually going to totally agree with that. I, I love that we have games to look forward to at the end of the season. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I was going to say that, that my eyes went directly to the end of the season and I was looking at it and actually giving a shit was, was something. And yeah, you're right. That's going to be incredibly difficult stretch there. I mean, you have the LA to LA back to back there and then you got Denver and uh, Phoenix and San Antonio, and you figure all those teams are going to be jockeying for position. Boston probably will be too. And if Charlotte keeps this up, they may be jockeying with the Knicks for yeah, playoff you, position. You would, you would think that that game's probably going to have meaningful implications. Yeah. For teams. Um, yeah. And look, Memphis could be in the playoff picture at that point too. You mm -hmm. figure. Yeah. I mean, I, I doubt it with Houston. I see them fading at some yeah, point. That's, really I, yeah. Houston is the one team who I don't see really being involved at all, but Memphis mm -hmm. is not, not completely out of the equation. The first four games right out of the all-star break are actually important to me. I mm -hmm. think cause it's a yeah. four game road trip to at Milwaukee at OKC at Brooklyn and at Philly. And uh, they played OKC once already, and OKC played them really tough. And OKC's not the pushover that mm -hmm. they clearly people thought they were going to be. They're really good defensively, 
And on the road, they're a different story. Uh, I actually, I don't know if they have fans there, but still, that's a, it's yeah. different in the NBA on the road, regardless. And, you know, Milwaukee, they already beat Milwaukee. So on the road, Milwaukee's obviously, obviously going to want to kick their ass. Yeah. And at Brooklyn, that's a huge game. Yeah. Um, I mean, not because they're going to have a home court disadvantage or anything, but it's just a, it's just a big game there. And then at Philly, that's, I mean, it would mean a ton to beat one of the best teams in the conference, but if you can pull off three out of four coming out of the all-star break or just go two out of two there. Yeah. Cause you don't want to go. It's very possible. They could go one and three coming out of the all-star break. And that would be, I feel like a rough go to start going one and three out of the all-star break. And I think it's important to go 500 there in that first uh, road trip for a yeah. road trip. I think the one kind of I, I wouldn't even call, go as far as to call it saving grace, but it is kind of like a road trip light though. Cause you go Milwaukee, yeah. KC, and then you come home and then Philly is a day trip, you know, like they don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I mean, Brooklyn's know, not even really a road trip. It's, yeah. it's more, it's more of like a, you think of it as like a bad road trip, quote unquote, because of the like quality of the opponents more mm-hmm. than the, you know, the, the challenge of going on the road. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brooklyn and Philly is uh, yeah. less of a road trip and more about how tough the yeah. games are going to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and, and before you even go into the second half to start that, I think, you know, one thing that can kind of help that start of the second half, it's how we finish this first half here. You know, we got the Kings tomorrow, uh, the Pacers on Saturday, and then uh, Detroit on uh, Sunday. And I think that Detroit game was added, right? That was that was the makeup game that they they get for uh, the San Antonio game being uh, postponed due to mm-hmm. uh, the COVID yeah. The protocols. Detroit game was added, and then the right. San Antonio game was tacked on towards the end of the year. You know, these the, these next three games are winnable. You know, Indiana with some bonus. You know, depending on how you know we were talking about that before the show. Um, but if you could finish off this season strong, you know, then you have to start the second half. Uh, a little less pressure maybe on you as you, you have a little momentum kind of going into it. Um, but, you know, I, I look at that, that back end, right. You know, we're talking about those meaningful games in May and you just, to me, you just never know, especially that late into the season. If, if one of these teams, you know, decides to sit, you know, like the Clippers, you know, and I know everybody should be jockeying for positioning, but at some point coaches still go, I want to make sure we're full strength, you know, for the the playoffs where, mm-hmm. you know, Kawhi Leonard might get a night off and then we're not playing him. You know, something like that is is bound to kind of happen yeah, here at some point. So it may make that – it may it may not. We might have to play everybody at full strength, and, and I agree with you guys. That's kind of what you want. You want to play in those meaningful games because that's when you really learn, you know, about yourselves one, but it's also those playoff type feels like when, you know, you got to win these games, you got to have them. That's a great learning experience for all the young players that are on the Knicks to kind of go through that and, and play with that kind of pressure. Um, and if they make it out, okay. Right. If they're just, if they survive it, that goes a long way for them whenever, if they're in the playoffs or in the playing games, you know, they kind of get those, that battle tested, you know, through that playing, that stretch, that can be something that prepares them. So, you know, that far ahead, there's so many different things that can kind of 
you know, change if that is a difficult stretch or not, or it, it, it could be exactly what it looks like right now and just be brutal. Um, but it, it's still a long way away. Um, and I just look at it like this as the second half is we got to beat the teams that we're supposed to beat, right? Those winnable games, we got to turn those into wins. And if you can steal a couple of those games that you're not expected to win, then I think you'll be in good shape. That's kind of what they've done in this, this first half, right? They, for the most part, have beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat. Yeah, they've lost a few of those games, but they ended up stealing several games that you didn't go into expecting them to win, right? Should have won Milwaukee. that fucking Bulls game. They, they, yeah, yeah. God, I they should have won that game. <laughs> uh, you know what? You could argue last night it was there. It was right there for us to grab against Golden State. Now, Curry, um, well, Curry's banking in threes. and, and Yeah, and, he was just making you know, Alex Burks to flex a pass, and it just happenedly is a fall back in the hands of Curry, and he just doesn't hesitate and shoots it from like 40 feet out. I mean, that's just – there's nothing you can do about that. Um, but you know, it was just, we could not, Derek Rose had some shots around the rim that he just could not finish. Um, Barrett looked like he was forcing everything last night. Um, but it, they were still in that game. So, you know, you, you're going to lose some of those games. I understand that. But I think the key is if you just beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, right. And then just find a way to, you know, take one or two games here and there, of games that you're not really expected to win and kind of mimic what you've done in this first half, then I expect the Knicks to be fine. Even by the time they get through that, that six game stretch out West by the end of May to kind of keep their, their playoff pitcher and hopes alive. So it's going to be a tight race. You know, teams seem to be, you know, very tight. I, I know some teams are starting to play, but I, I'm telling you, I think Miami is going to really start to take off at some point and start moving way up the board. Um, you know, Toronto is starting to play like the Raptors again. Um, the Celtics have been very uh, – I still think the Celtics are going to be a team that turn it around, even though they have been really frustrating um, and just confusing uh, so far this year. But uh, it, it's going to be a tight race, you know, especially with teams like Atlanta, Charlotte. You know, those are the kind of games that we got to find ways to win to keep ourselves ahead of them. Those are the more important games that I kind of look at on the back end of this schedule is teams like Charlotte, teams like, you know, Atlanta, even I, I didn't, I, we, if we play the magic again, um, you know, we got to beat the magic. I, I, I know, you know, they beat the snot out of us a couple of games ago. Um, but, you know, those are the type of games that you, you got to win. You got to have those games. You can't drop them. Um, you know, you have, two more games against Washington and Washington. Yeah. They have two good players, but they everywhere else they suck. You know, you got to find a way to, um, you know, win those games as well. Just win the games that you're supposed to. And then those, those 50, 50 games, you just got to be at least consistent with, you know, you can't drop those and expect to be a playoff team. So they, they follow what they did in this first half. I think we'll be okay. So that's basically uh, I, I think everything we kind of touched on uh, now uh, we'll move on to our last call segment. Anything you guys would like to add before we wrap this up here? I know, I know Danny, you like to, to give us the, the G league uh, updates. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Um, I don't have any great G league updates right now. I got a G league. I, I forgot about that. Go I got it. a G league update. I actually watch. Right. And I'm mm -hmm. loving it because it's during class time. 
Mm-hmm. And when classes are not very fun and exciting, it gives me something to do. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the, the, the Westchester Knicks. I'm talking about any, any, yeah, game. any game. That's actually, yeah, that's a good thing. It's like, you can throw it on anytime. It's nice. Too, bit, too busy with uh, Knicks, Nets and other <laughs> yep. stuff where I haven't watched as much. Um, but I watched, I watched the G league ignite the other day when I said ignite weird, but um, yeah, I watched, I watched the, that team the other day Jonathan Kuminga is the real deal yep um, the, the Knicks aren't going to be in like a position to draft them unless something crazy happens in the lottery with them or the Mavs but uh Kuminga is the real deal I just I'll say that the only thing I say about it is the commentary is painful to listen to it, it's <laughs> I have to I just I can't I'm just like they're so cheesy it's just not like I expect it to be a little bit better at that kind of level you know I I don't know um so that's, but that's little, I mean, I, I've kind of enjoyed watching it. Um, and I've watched a lot again. I watched the, 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 the Knicks and net game. Um, and I was kind of hoping to get a win there just because why not? I mean, I know it don't mm-hmm. matter, but we can say we beat Brooklyn and something, you know, and of course they put mm-hmm. the in that game and lost, but it, it's been fun to watch that. It gives you something to do. So chip, you got anything you want to add? I mean, poor Zingas. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's uh on the trade block, uh, depending on who you listen to. If it's Ian Begley or Bleacher Report, then uh the magic the Mavericks are shopping him or looking into trading him. Ian Begley reported that uh they've reached out to the Warriors, I think he yes. said. Yeah. And, uh the uh someone from Bleacher Report, I sorry, I forget the name. Jake Fisher. Okay, yeah, and he said uh, that they they're also uh, sniffing around. I think was the phrase mm-hmm. he used, and then Cuban denied it. But uh, yeah, I I mean it makes sense. And then you know, I mean with with the Warriors, I trust Ian Begley. So obviously the the Warriors trade that would make sense financially would have to be Andrew Wiggins for Kristaps Porzingis. But I I, I just don't mm-hmm. see the Warriors doing that at all no. i mean i don't know why they would but i, I don't know why mm-hmm. anyone would take porzingis at this point yeah and do the mavericks that favor so i, I think they're stuck with him yeah, yeah. they're, gonna they're, gonna, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna stick with him yeah. i know my two cents on it is that the pendulum looks like it's swinging back in the Knicks' favor but the one thing i will always maybe not always because things change but the one thing i will say is we know how hot and cold Kristaps Porzingis can be if he gets hot, like we know he can in like a, in a playoff stretch where like he goes like 30 and 10, like five straight games. Like right. then the pendulum starts to swing back towards the Mavs a little bit, but right now it's not looking good for the Mavs and Porzingis. Jonathan Macri. I was listening to the Knicks film school podcast today said, if he has a great playoff run, if doesn't matter how many games he misses, he has yeah. one great playoff That's- run in come on and presenting us i get that i'm just saying like when that trade happened last year i was thinking like ad is going to miss so much time with injuries like that's what we've seen but if if it results in a championship then it's it's whatever you know you get the ultimate goal you can miss them for 20 something games you know and it's not going to make any damn difference. So um, I just, I, I hope the Mavericks lose, even though Luca's my boy. 
<laughs> I just hope they lose and we get a better draft pick. And and I just I'm getting a kick out of it. Um, so that's I hope they continue to lose. And then I I want Brooklyn to lose a lot. I, I Tanny, I always like to put something stupid in one of your yeah. tweets. No, I love it. I, I, I love fun it. About it. I, I know, but um. Yeah. Me personally, I'm enjoying watching both teams play. Yeah, they are the fun first time in a very long time. It is, it is fun to watch. It's just, God, I mean, I didn't even hate Brooklyn this much until this year. You know, I usually don't, it doesn't bother me, you know, at all, but I, I just, yeah, that's I, fair. That's fair. Understandable. You know, it's, it, it's not, it's nothing major, but I just hope they lose. It brings a smile to my face, even though they're not going to lose very often because. They are good. I know a lot of Nick fans are probably, you know, turning me off for saying that, but it is reality. They're, yeah. I, mean, I still they think the stuff. defense optional attitude. Yeah, will catch up to them. yeah, but yeah. That, that's I do, I, I want to disagree, or I want to agree with you because I have always been like a, you know, you need a strong defense, but I don't think like have we have we ever seen an offense this good? Yeah, it's Warriors offense with Durant was pretty good, and they but they won. But, but they, they play also defense. play defense. They play defense. When they got into it, man, I'm telling you. And that's that's going to be the key for them uh, if have, they walk in defensively. Have we ever seen an offense as good? D'Antoni's son's offenses were fucking amazing. Yeah. They didn't they have three Hall of Famers. They weren't this good. But I agree with Dan. They, they weren't this good. I mean, they don't have like the, – the, the, Nash, Nash was on the same level yeah. as, like, as like I would say KD and Harden and – I guess this year's version of like Stockton and Malone. I'd say, That's I'd what say it was. Nash, they were great. Nash was on that level with those guys of like elite, elite, elite. Amari was not. I mean, he was Amari was great. That, that son's version of Amari was great, but he KD. was not Durant, Harden, yeah. or this year's Irving. Yeah. So with that being said, let's wrap it up. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Next Day to Mon podcast.